Hey, hey, welcome to Moments with Ndera podcast, a space where you will be inspired, encouraged, and uplifted. Wherever you're listening from, I truly appreciate you. Thank you. And if you're watching on YouTube, thank you so much. Hit that like button, hit subscribe, and share with someone. Today's guest is a strategic partnership specialist with over 20 years of experience co-creating with multi-sector partners in the areas of health and wellness, racial justice, education, gender equity, and community development in the US and throughout the world. With her South African sister friend, she co-founded Whose Stories Will We Hear, a project that aims to uplift stories of the African continent. She sees Whose Stories Will We Hear as a vehicle to help disrupt stereotypes and shift harmful narratives that many have of Africans and Africa. Welcome onto the show, Kathy. Thank you, Muthoni. It's so nice to be here. So to kick off this conversation, what's your earliest childhood memory? You know, it's interesting when I think of my earliest childhood memory, it's not a single memory or a specific memory, um, but it's a memory. It's almost like a, <laughs> I'm dating myself here, but like an old film strip, right? A reel of um, images that are all blended together in my mind but the images are of um, gatherings and celebrations. Um, so in my, um, you know, my wider family, um, I am one of many cousins um, and, you know, the aunties and the uncles and anytime there was a birthday, um, there would be a birthday celebration, there would be a gathering. And um, if you're, um, birthday was near someone else's birthday, then it might be a joint celebration. And you would choose the flavor of the cake as the birthday, um, as the as the one celebrating the birthday. Um, and everyone would gather and there would be food and there would be conversation. Um, but that that's the memory that that I have of those gatherings and of um, the laughter um, and of the celebration of others and you know yourself when it was your own birthday. It's interesting how you mentioned that you see your life as a, a real um, you know for me being <laughs> having a background in film and television it's it's so vivid I just saw like an image of the film role just unfolding and going backwards in time to your young self so Kathy is growing up, she figures out that she wants to do X, but then life throws its challenges and then she finds herself in this space of storytelling um, and co-founding it with your sister friend. Take us through a journey. So <clears throat> people often ask me um, about my early years. You know, they say you've... Um, You've lived and worked in many parts of the world. You have an interest um, in in the rest of the world. You know what what is it? Did you travel quite frequently frequently when you were a child? Was this a part of your life? Was there someone that you followed? Um, and I try to think back to those early experiences, and and I've shared these conversations with um, a, a cousin who's like a brother to me. Um, and we did not have, we didn't have experiences to travel. We didn't have the resources to do so. Um, we did not have exposure. I did not have exposure to, you know, the world outside of my own, outside of, you know, I grew up um, uh, in the Midwest of the United States. 
Um, but I, I think there was a part of me at an early age that I always knew that there was so much more than this experience, than this community that I was in, that there were people and there were places throughout the world that um, I could and would learn from. Um, and so I had this curiosity, I think, at an early age. Um, and I, a couple of years ago, I remember um, sharing with, with several friends and colleagues that uh, at an early age, you know, nine or 10 years old, I wanted to be a travel agent. And at age 16, when I learned about diplomatic service, I said, I want to be a U.S. ambassador. And reflecting on those interests and goals now, I don't think it was the actual job or role that I was interested in, but it was um, what those roles could do for others. And so a, a travel agent can give people the opportunity to have adventures and time together as a family and experiences. And I wanted to give that to others, even though I hadn't had it myself. Um, and when I think of the interest in being a US ambassador, um, I remember it was at a time in my life in my teenage years when I was discovering, learning, you know, for the first time, some pieces of history about my own country and the way that, um, that whether they're my direct ancestors or just my people, I will say quite generally, have behaved over time. And I wanted to, I wanted to be a different kind of American. I wanted to represent um, a different mindset. Um, I wanted to show the rest of the world that Americans can be um, kind and caring and compassionate and can think about themselves as followers rather than leaders. Um, and, and, and so it was these early experiences that shaped my interest. Um, after uh, completing university, I traveled to Mali, West Africa. I lived there for two years as a community health educator. Um, and it was through a um, program, a US government program called the Peace Corps. And the Peace Corps provides opportunities for um, Americans, frequently young Americans, but not always. We had a 68 year, year old volunteer when I was there, um, but to um, work for two years. Um, in a country somewhere in the world in partnership with that community. Um, and also reflecting, you know, I've done decades of unlearning since that time, um, but I recognize that at that time, the, the stories that I had access to about people in Mali, about people in West Africa, people in the wider continent, um, that they were stories and narratives that were frequently not told by the people um, who who were from those places. And, and, and in fact, because they were not told by those individuals and were told by outsiders, um, they also created stereotypes or harmful narratives in, in my mind. Um, and, and really, you know, also reflecting on this unlearning, I sometimes um, say with a bit of humor because it's so uncomfortable to say, but that that I'm I'm a recovering white savior. That if you're familiar with that, you know that that term and or even the term of saviorism overall, that I believe that I was there um, not only to help but to save people. And and I very quickly learned in my my first few days in Mali that 
I would be working in partnership and in followership with people who had the brilliance and had the solutions and, and may not have had access to some resources that I had access to. And that's and that's what I was there to to provide. And so I, I share some of those early stories because it connects to the co-founding of Whose Stories Will We Hear with my sister friend, Mpose Pubi, um, because we have the shared intention of, of we wanted to create a platform to share the first person stories of Africans to disrupt those stereotypes and harmful narratives. You know, I recognize that I did not have access to the stories um, that I have access to now. And, and I, I it's a privilege for me to have the opportunity to have lived and, and worked in, in Mali and in Senegal and most recently Kenya and, and have had the opportunity also to um, travel and, and you know, through um, visits to friends throughout the world to be exposed to these experiences in these places and these stories. And so I want to share them with others so that um, they can have access, as I said, to the, the brilliance and the, and the resilience and the multifaceted um, uh, stories of, of individuals rather than, you know, the monolithic stereotypes um, that exist. And, and so it, you know, really after those two years in Mali and even during those two years, I made it part of my life's work um, to do what I could to share my experience and the stories of others um, to, um, to, help, to help shift those narratives that exist. And, and then Whose Stories Will We Hear became an opportunity, not for me to share the stories of others, but simply to create a platform for individuals to share their own stories in their own way and in their own time um, and, and exactly how they, how they want to. Thank you for sharing that journey. And it's interesting, I've just been thinking about your the, the name of your project, Whose Stories Will We Hear? And it's, 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 for me, it's stirring something within me that I just want us to see if we can go into this direction. You know, whose stories will we hear? And at times we may, while we're searching for these stories that we want to hear, we may overlook some stories. So as storytellers and as curators of these stories, how do we ensure that we are getting the stories that need to be heard and how do we mitigate those moments where we actually don't pick that story that's, that's, that's actually um, resonating with the community at that point? That's a good question. Um, and I do want to go back and share the origin story of the name of the initiative. Um, so, you know, it was my sister, friend and co-founder Mpo. And, and a conversation she and I were having um, in, I believe it was late 2019, um, going into early 2020 when um, the you know, COVID pandemic was, was hitting the world. Um, and she was sharing this, this thought or this series of thoughts. Um, and, and she was sharing that um, throughout the course of history, 
that the story that is told of, of the continent and of its people is often told by, by others. And, and she had relayed that, um, you know, when she was a child and was learning the history of, of her country of South Africa and of the continent, um, that it, it, was, it was not told by, by her people. She did not see her people represented in those stories. And so she was reflecting on the pandemic it, it, itself and said, um, five, you know, 15, 50 years from now, when we look back on this time, whose stories will we hear? Whose stories will we see? Um, what will that look like? And, and then, and then we took it back to our, our friendship and our interest in, in partnering to create something together. Um, and, and said in our own small way, could we, could we shift that? Um, could we try to ensure? And so our first series was, you know, life during COVID. Many people were in lockdown. And we said, you know, we are not a um, international media conglomerate <laughs> with billions or millions of followers, um, but we can create something online to give individuals the opportunity to tell their personal story in this time. Um, and in terms of of what stories we are telling or what stories we're, I guess, sharing, right? We say we're story sharers. We're not storytellers because we are not writing the stories, we're sharing them. Um, but what we realized in our first series, um, and those were printed stories accompanied by photos if the individual submitting their story wanted to share a photo. Um, you know, we circulated this word of mouth in our networks, whether it was, you know, WhatsApp or, or other um, networks that we were a part of. Um, but we recognized that the stories that we were receiving were from those circles of people who were somehow connected to us or connected to someone who knew us. Um, but there were so many people who did not have access to that, to be able to share their story, you know, people who did not learn about the project or know someone who was connected to it. Um, and so we, at that point, we had this, this dream or this vision of, could we instead be in communities ourselves, meeting people, talking to them, inviting them to share their stories. So rather than asking them to come to us by way of submitting a story, could we be in their home communities so that we're increasing the access? Um, we've never had a, a selection process, meaning if someone submits a story to us, um, we are not going to judge it by its merits and decide that it is worthy of being published, uh, you know, on the on the website, being shown on the website. Um, we print every or share every story that we receive. Um, but that that vision, you know, that interest led us to um, spend some time in in Dakar in the in uh, June of. 2021. And then um, to think more specifically about a project to be in a place and really um, in communities, coming to people to increase access. And so our, our third series was the series in Kenya that features the stories of 23 um, you know, women doing extraordinary things. And, and I hate to say ordinary women doing extraordinary things because they're not ordinary, ordinary, they're extraordinary women doing extraordinary things. But what we focus on are, are the untold stories. So, um, you know, I, I guess 
I will correct myself slightly and say that we have not re rejected any stories, but we may have um, declined some opportunities to meet with someone. You know, for example, someone who said, I know someone who is a an author and a personality and a CEO and, um, you know, here are all these links that you can learn about them. Maybe you should meet with them and tell their story. And we would say, we try to focus on the stories that have not been told or not been shared. And this individual seems to have had the opportunity to tell their story. So we're going to try to go a little bit deeper. And we reached out to our network of partners and colleagues um, in Kenya and said, do you know someone in your community who has a story to share that has not been told? Um, and then we went to them. So we, you know, we did document some stories in um, Nairobi, um, but we traveled throughout the country to go where people were. And, and we asked them, do you want us to come to your home, to your place of work? Do you want us to meet you somewhere in community? Um, you know, you tell us and we will follow you. Um, so maybe that tells you a little bit more about how we approach things. It's so important um, if we are curating stories for future generations to tell the untold stories because there's so much power in those stories. Because as you're saying, it's not an ordinary woman doing extraordinary things. She's already extraordinary. But unfortunately, the way society and our the larger world, we want to focus on those you know, stories that are blasted and are said over and over again. Yet that lady in Migori or that lady in Dakar is influencing her community. She's impacting lives and those stories need to be told. So your younger self is seated across you right now. And you know, at times when we're younger, we are insecure, we have low self-esteem and we don't know if we're going to have influence in whatever we're doing or have impact. How would you encourage your younger self and a listener who's young um, to just keep pushing on and to find the path that they were um, put on this earth to be on. I would have so much to tell them. And I also feel like, you know, my younger self is inside of me. <laughs> and sometimes my younger self is telling me today, you know, the woman who will be 50 in about a month. Um, you know, I'm giving myself that advice. <laughs> and that is, to to be vulnerable that it's okay to be vulnerable it's okay to not be okay and to share that with others and in fact when i have shared my vulnerability with others that is when connection happens it's when relationships are built when friendships are built um you know someone shared with me a few years ago an article that they read about um, inviting someone into your home or your office or your space, whatever that space is. And the feeling that if someone's coming in, I need to, I need to tidy up, I need to put things in the right place. It needs to feel um, you know, perfect. And yet, if you if you do that and then you invite someone into their space, and if they're not feeling tidy and neat and put together, then they may hide that piece of themselves uh -huh. because they feel like they can't be free and open and vulnerable in the space that you've set up. And, and so I think, you know, that's a, a, a comment about physical space. 
But then I think about the personal space, right? Um, And I, you know, part of it is this living, living, grow, you know, living in the United States for most of my life and being, spending my early years here as well is there are these stories that are told that I believe are influenced by, you know, the systems of, of capitalism, patriarchy and white supremacy that tell us in order to be successful, we need to be perfect and put Mm -hmm. together and not share the vulnerabilities and the weaknesses. And that is how, you know, that's what will get you ahead. That's what will help to move you to success. Um, But it's actually the vulnerabilities and the the um, reaching out for help and assistance yes. that for me is where I've made not only the breakthrough breakthroughs, but the most beautiful relationships and connections. That's beautiful. Vulnerability. And to just build on that, you know, we also tell stories to ourselves as individuals. Like now, let's say we have met each other for coffee and maybe you are having a hard day and you weren't really expressing yourself. So I'll go home and I'll create a story and I'll be like, oh, Kathy probably didn't like my outfit. Oh, she, she, you know, probably we, we start creating these stories in our minds, yet you are not thinking any, any of that. So how would you encourage someone to not take it personally and not to create a story out of things that are not true? Yeah, that's a really <clears throat> good point and a good question. Um, I think it's just to remember that everyone has a story. Everyone is going through something and you you don't, you frequently don't know what it, what it is. Um, and so your, um, the scenario that you painted, right? It's if you walk away from that engagement and your first thought is, was it me? What did I do? <laughs> Is there something I said? Did that not go well? Um, instead to think maybe they're experiencing something that I just don't know about, I don't have access to. Um, and instead, you know, what kind of empathy can I have for them? How can I make a connection in the future? How can I follow up in such a way that sees sees their full humanity? right? Um, because we are all walking through this life and this this planet. Sometimes we have good days, sometimes we have not so good days. Um, and I think just having that grace for one another, and it goes back to the grace for ourselves. Um, yes, grace for ourselves and empathy. I think that's something that We can all learn to practice and improve on and just give give someone the the room to be themselves and not, you know, not live up to our expectations. It's not easy, but again, it just ties to empathy and we're human beings and we're going through everything and anything under the sun. (laughs) So we're going to switch gears a little bit. And I'm going to ask you random questions. Don't overthink it. What are you learning from your children? I learned so much from my um, son, who is um, a teenager now. He, um, 
he's an old soul. He's a beautiful soul. You mentioned empathy a few minutes ago. He's the most empathetic person I've ever met in my life. Um, frequently when adults meet him for the first time, they at some point say to me, you've done such an amazing job. Congratulations. You're raising such a wonderful child. Um, and I will frequently say something similar. And that is, um, you know, this, this child was born with, um, with these qualities. This is, this is who he is. I have tried to support him and nurture him and provide a, a place of love and, and space of love and learning. Um, but he, he helps me to be a better person every day. You know, he's the one that asks me questions um, about situations in the world or about individuals. And he will ask the, he will, he will ask the question or make the comment of, you know, I, I notice someone behaving in a certain way and I wonder what they're going through. I wonder I wonder why. I wonder what they're experiencing. Um, and seeing the world through through his eyes as well gives me it gives me um hope. It gives me reason to keep doing what I'm doing every day because ultimately we are passing, you know, I think of our um our indigenous um communities our indigenous family here in the United States that talks about the seven generations that we make every decision based on how it will impact the next seven generations. And so when I think of what I learned from my son and what I see from him every day, it's the reminder that everything that we do every day has an impact and it will have an impact not only on my son and his generation, um, but on, on, you know, the next seven and and beyond and and it's it's my motivation for the 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 work that I try to do to to build a, a more just world and and in terms of social justice and and racial justice and gender equity um because you know I think of of Fannie Lou Hamer a, an American civil rights um activist who who says um you know none of us are free until all of us are free and and it gets back to what I said at the beginning of our conversation about, um, you know, saviorism or white saviorism. It, it's this belief that that you're helping others for the sake of others. But but really, if if I look at my my son and and if his peers are not having a, an abundant and loving experience, then he is also not free. Um, you know, it's about collective humanity and collective liberation and um he's he's just a constant reminder of all of that to me beautifully beautifully said i you know it's it's so interesting how you've mentioned seven generations and truly it is i mean when you look at life from your point of like from my point vantage point to the next generation that's a lot of impact you know and it just bears the the question are we being intentional with our words, with our actions, and with our thoughts. Because as you said, if, if someone isn't free, none of us are. What are your dreams and ambitions? About five or six years ago, I, um, and it was, 
It was after spending time with a cohort of Mandela Washington fellows who were um, here for their program in the city in the United States where I live, um, that it rekindled my interest, my dream to have um, professional opportunities that connected me to individuals and communities um, in African countries is how I would describe it very broadly. Um, and then the story I told myself <laughs> when I had those thoughts, the story I told myself was, no, Kathy, that was a dream that you had when you were 22. You are now 44. So it was at that time. That was 20 years ago. That is not the work that you've been doing. That is not the path that you are on. You are on this other path. It's too late. I kept telling myself that to myself and to others. It's just too late. I would say that ship has sailed. And, and then as the days and weeks passed by, I realized that I was not ready to let go of it. And maybe it wasn't too late. <laughs> And maybe I could, in fact, make those early dreams become a reality and it would look different. It wasn't a rewind because that's not how life works. And I'm actually quite grateful for all that happened those 20 years and since, um, because quite honestly or transparently, um, if I had pursued those dreams at that young age of 22, Without the knowledge and the perspective and the learning, but more importantly, the unlearning and perspective that I have now, I might have done some unintended, cause unintended harm. Mm -hmm. And um, so I decided in the middle of my career that I would um, pivot and I would try to translate the skills and the knowledge and the experience I have to um, rebuild my career or pivot my career um, to do international work again. Um, and I have successfully been able um, to do that over the course of the past few years. And I ha have had some wonderful opportunities and have some exciting opportunities now and in the coming year. Um, and so I hope to continue on this trajectory. Uh, I, I don't have a specific dream or a target position, for example, um, because the most brilliant experiences that I've had, the most rewarding experiences I've had where I've been able to make the most impact in terms of sharing my talent and my skill and my energy um, for positive you know, impact on communities um, have not been ex uh, opportunities that I've sought out, but they've been opportunities that have um, you know, sort of landed in my path. And so I want to continue to be open to what unfolds and what is, you know, presented in front of me. Um, <clears throat> but I, I guess the, the real um, goal, I am still interested in, um, you know, living outside of my home country of the United States. Um, we, I did so for the, the past year um, in Kenya, but I would like to um, you know, possibly return to Kenya or or live outside of, of the country um, again. Um, so that would be, you know, sort of for the later chapters of my my per professional career, um, one of my goals. But but in general, you know, I I was at a protest march several years ago, 
And, you know, there are many people carrying protest signs and, and chanting what was on their sign, for example, or chanting with others. And there was one woman um, much older than me. It was a very cold day. She was bundled up. She was standing up holding a sign and she was silent and she just held that sign. And it said, I want my grandchildren to believe that I did everything that I could. And, and so that, that is what I want that like, those are my dreams <laughs> that, um, that I've, I've, I had done that. I, my dream is that I continue to do everything I can to use my, um, my skills and my experience and my position and, and my privilege. I recognize that I have a pri privilege to sometimes access spaces or places that others um, cannot. And so if I can use that to, um, to help support others and, and to share and transfer resources that I have, then, then I will have fulfilled my dreams. So it's not a clear answer, but that's my answer. No, you answered it beautifully. It was a perfect answer. So no, you answered it beautifully. And it's interesting how, as we were saying earlier, the stories we tell ourselves, and for you, you were saying that it's too late, but you were courageous enough to say, no, let me pivot and let me rebuild my career in this trajectory. How can you encourage someone who's watching or listening that they find themselves in a point in time where they feel that they want to go right, but again, they are telling themselves a story where no, it's late or I won't fit in or that space is not for me. So I, one of the keys and, and it, so it needs, maybe needs to happen before that moment is to surround yourself with people and spend time with people um, who support support you and your interests and really your values and allow you to be your full self you know put yourself in places and spaces where you can be your full self and then share that dream with those people mm -hmm. because they are the ones who are not going to tell you yes maybe it's too late that was a long time ago <laughs> Let's help you shape something else. Those are the, you know, the people in my life who said to me, it's not too late. We are here. We will support you. And, and we will be okay. Cause this probably means you're going to spend, need to spend some time focused on yourself and away from us. And you might be leaving our community for a bit, but we, we want you to live your life to the fullest. And we will be here, you know, to have those cheerleaders in, in your life. Um, but I would say on a personal level, you know, make those voices go away. Those voices that say, no, it's too late. Um, just tell, tell them that's not the story, that this is your story. I'm going to own this story. That is powerful. I'm going to own my story. And with that, how do you want to be remembered? I think back to the older woman holding the sign above her head. I want to remember, be remembered as someone who um, did all she could to, um, to create a better world for the next seven generations, that she lived a life with, an in, with intention and purpose, um, 
for others and for tomorrow. And may you do that beautifully, courageously, and boldly. So with that in mind, and you mentioning that you're almost turning 50, what is your closing remark for someone out there? My closing remark would be, um, don't be afraid of walking into a space or putting yourself into a space that you think you don't belong. Because we, collectively, we, we belong in all of the spaces. Um, I, I own at this stage of my life that I own my talent as a, as a connector. You know, I say my superpower is connecting and it's connecting people to each other. But the way that I get connected to people and to spaces um, is by putting myself in spaces where I think something interesting is happening, where there's someone that I want to listen to or follow or learn from. Um, you know, I mean, there is one disclaimer, right? That there are some spaces that are created to be safe for a particular group of people or a particular population. And I'm, I'm careful of that. I don't insert myself into any space, but um, you know, I remember having a conversation with some um, emerging leaders in, in Kenya earlier this year when I was living in Nairobi. And one of them asked me about, you know, networking and connecting and how do you do it? And if you're, you know, not invited to an event, how do you get an invitation? And um, I, I said, you know, don't be afraid to ask, don't be afraid to, um, to request an invitation to be in a space that is of interest to you um, because um, that curiosity and asking those curious questions and, and meeting individuals, you know, I think people struggle. How do I walk up to someone and introduce myself and, um, and, 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 you know, get a piece of their time. Um, and, and I think, you know, it's just about, valuing yourself and and your worth um and and not being afraid um of of those spaces because they were created for us they were created for you kathy i want to appreciate you for coming onto the show thank you so much thank you so much for having me it was so lovely to spend time with you yes so dear listeners i hope you've picked something from this conversation for me the spaces that you want to enter in enter them you're meant to be in them. So step in them, step into them courageously and boldly. And if you don't know how to figure out how to enter those spaces, it's okay to ask for help and start surrounding yourself with people who believe in you. So until the next episode, continue being brave. <laughs>